This is AJ Bingham, CEO of The Bingham Group. I want to give a personal thank you to the Lowy Law Firm for their podcast sponsorship. The Lowy Law Firm is the premier personal injury law firm in Austin, having recovered tens of millions of dollars for their clients since 2005. Now on with the show. Welcome to the BG Podcast, conversations at the intersection of business, community, and public policy from the Austin metro and around Texas. Today's episode is brought to you by the Lowy Law Firm, delivering top-notch customer service in the Austin area. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and on iTunes and Google Play. Hello, my name is AJ Bingham, CEO of the Bingham Group. Our guest today is Patrick Howard, Executive Director and CEO of the Housing Authority of Travis County. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Thank you. Today, we're going to be talking about the proposed rule changes that are coming out of, uh, out of HUD um, related to the affirmatively furthering fair housing rule. Um, before we do that, Patrick, I want to go into a little more background about you and what um, is the role of the Housing Authority of Travis County. Okay. Well, housing authorities are entities of the state, actually, that are governed by uh, local government government code or established by local government code um, chapter 392 um, so housing authorities are supposed to provide safe decent and affordable housing to low-income persons and those are defined as individuals families that whose incomes do not exceed 80% of the area median income so obviously it varies from locale to locale but um, 80% of the area median income so low-income folks mm-hmm. how many you know, clients, how many Austinites do you serve? We serve about uh, 2,000 Austinites, uh, well, really Travis County residents because mm-hmm. we, we extend the entire um, uh, length of, uh, you know, tra- all of Travis County. So parts of Pflugerville? Pflugerville, um, you know, the Weberville, um, you know, other areas within Travis County. I mean, obviously the majority of the units we have are probably in Austin, Pflugerville, and then there's a small portion of Round Rock in Travis County as mm-hmm. well. So. How many how many properties overall is that, I mean, just, does that include? Well, you know, we have different programs. We have actually five developments. Um, they actually are four of them in the city of Austin and one is in the city of Maynard. Mm-hmm. And then we have what you call, what is referred to as housing choice vouchers, and that's you know, a partnership with private landlords. So we give individuals a voucher and they go find their own individual um, private property and we pay 70% of their um, rent. So those are scattered throughout throughout um, Travis County. We have 583 of those and then we have five developments that mm-hmm. we actually run and manage ourselves. Okay, and you've been with the authority for about three years now, coming up in three years, Yes, right? over, just over three years. I came in June of 2015. Okay, we're, just, what's your, a little bit of your background? Sure, I'm an urban planner. I mean, I've actually work in, worked in city government primarily. I worked for the city of San Antonio for about six and a half years as the assistant planning director. I was in San Angelo as their director of planning for about uh, 14 months. And I'm from the East Coast, so I've worked... Uh, for a couple housing authorities, Philadelphia Housing Authority, Youngstown Housing Authority, City of Norfolk, City of Portsmouth, City of uh, Hampton, doing planning or community development. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the uh, proposed rule change. Can you go just give an overview of what the current state of the affirmative, affirmatively furthering housing rule, fair housing rule is? Okay. So really it stems from the Fair Housing Act was 50 years ago, as you know, because we've been celebrating it this year. 50 years of that 
being in place. And so the previous administration in 2015 decided to create um, some mechanism for trying to implement the Fair Housing uh, Act because you know it had been around all these years, but some always suggested that there wasn't enough teeth. So they developed this, uh, what was referred to as affirmatively furthering fair housing rule, which was supposed to give communities tools in order to implement the rule, but also created some expectations of how we would track historic patterns of segregation. And okay. so that was in 2015. So essentially what happened was that all of the, the entitlement communities, meaning housing authorities, city governments, and the like that receive HUD funding would be responsible for uh, putting a plan together. We here in this region, we're putting a comprehensive, consolidated regional plan together um, in order to meet that need requirement. And so what happened in uh, earlier this year is the current administration suggested that they were going to push back the date, the deadline uh, for that to 2020 or 24, which obviously many housing advocates felt like, wait a minute, you're, you know, you're this, uh, this is just an attempt to sort of uh, stall things and not actually keep this rule in place, or at least um, effectuate the rule that has been put in place. And so uh, the, the administration was sued um, by some fair housing advocates. Um, and essentially, they had Essentially, they suggested or have stated that, you know, we aren't going to be responsible for implementing the rule. For all intents and purposes, we would just revert back to what we've been doing previously, mm -hmm. which in some cases hasn't really met the need in terms of ensuring that segregation or concentrations of poverty don't exist when, when, when it comes to providing affordable housing. Okay. Because many would argue that obviously there's areas of the city that have more than their fair share of affordable housing, um, and that certainly is the case in every probably every community. And slight deviation. So talking about that though, because affordability in Austin, city of Austin, is obviously a major issue. Yes. What is your what interaction does your agency have with the city with the city of Austin? Is there a counterpart agency, um, and who are the stakeholders in the city side? Because I guess it's. It's a multi-government mm -hmm. um, Sure, issue. sure. Well, I mean, obviously, um, the city, you know, has made efforts, obviously, through the, the, the bond program, and obviously that's going to be on the ballot there in November to extend, um, you know, the, uh, the, the bond program to provide some funding to do more fair housing, mm -hmm. or I should say affordable housing for that matter. Um, so... The Department of Housing and Neighborhood Preservation is the, the city department that administers, you know, those um, housing subsidies um, for low-income folks. So that's who we deal with primarily as far as that part's concerned. Um, so obviously there, we are all hoping that the bond gets passed and that there's more money to continue to work toward uh, addressing this affordable housing need. But certainly government alone is not going to be able to do it. And so there's been many efforts by many organizations, you know, to try to address the need. Um, ULI has a, an affordability council. They've been talking about it. I mean, many, many organizations here are trying to get their arms around what we can do. Mm -hmm. Affordable Housing Coalition, just to name a few. I mean, there's several 
several several several entities trying to figure this out. Yeah. So coming back to the proposed rule change. Yeah. Can you, can you just overview provide an overview of what those changes are? Well, so it's not really so much a change. It's again the previous administration cre- created this framework suggesting that communities had, you know, uh, I think I guess three, four years to implement this plan that said, hey, you need to understand and figure out what these barriers to affordable housing are in areas of high opportunity and how uh, historically there's been patterns of segregation because of the concentrations. And as a result, we're supposed to be coming up with plans uh, and strategies, goals and the like to, to ensure that that doesn't continue to persist in mm-hmm. communities. So if there's a concentrate, if there's been a concentration of uh, affordable housing, low-income housing in say areas of Austin, likely East Austin, then where should the, where should development, uh, affordable housing development occur in areas that are not concentrated with, um, in con- that have concentrations of poverty. So we're supposed to, you know, it's a lot of it's exercise in looking at research and data and mapping and figuring out where have most of these affordable housing units gone and how are we going to try to ensure, incentivize, encourage um, through through policy and programming to get those to have units developed in other areas outside of those concentrated areas. So, again, the pre the that was the previous administration putting this in place. Requiring communities that got the federal funding in order to put these plans together, our region decided collectively to work together on a plan because we all have the same general concerns and issues. And so the region, the region being Travis County, City of Travis Austin, County. Or, well, there's 10, 10, 10 entities that receive uh, HUD funding that participate, like a couple, a few of the housing authorities, the city, um, Travis County, City of Austin. Um, I think we go as far as Georgetown. Um, that so basically the Austin Metro, Travis County, Austin Travis County metropolitan area. So okay. Several entities uh, pool their resources and we we're putting this plan together. And so you could do a regional plan or the individual entity could do a plan, but obviously economy of scale. So most of us been working together on that. But what what has happened is the current administration has essentially, it's again, they pushed the date back for a compliance and then they have suggested in, in later notices that communities don't even have, have, have to comply. And so what they've issued recently was they're, they're now saying they want to solicit feedback on this rule to figure out how we can change it to be more um, advantageous and not limit affordable housing development but certainly encourage it. But again, there are those that don't believe that by doing this is the case because we're kind of pushing the problem down the road and not really addressing it. Mm-hmm. And so obviously there's two schools of thought about how that should be approached. So many are concerned that the rule that that we will just be eliminating the rule altogether um, and never never really putting it into practice. I understand. So overall, what's the timeline for this? I know so right now we're when this was promulgated, there was about a sixty a sixty day public comment period. I know we're cut we're already into that that period now. Um, 
And so from there, they're going to solicit feedback and get those comments in. Um, yeah, we'll I believe the date that. is uh, October the 15th is when um, communities are supposed to give feedback later on this year. And so who knows what happens from there. And again, that's why there's there is concern that this is just an attempt to continue to sort of push, push the issue down the road, kick the can down the road. And so because there's some who believe that Nothing will happen because we'll it'll further be delayed. I mean, we had it, it. The administration had already suggested that there, even if it was going to be there was going to be a compliance, it was going to. They were looking at twenty or twenty twenty or twenty twenty four, which is quite a while. From I mean, a lot of things to change by then. Yes, exactly. So, we. Uh, I personally am concerned because I think it does. Um, the issue of concentration is one that needs to be addressed. Whether all of the tools that were provided to us are the most effective is questionable because many of the communities that had already completed their assessments, those got kicked back, many of those, uh, more than half. So there is obviously something about the tool, um, things about the tool that need to be addressed. So I, I hope that there is some good feedback that would allow us to continue to move forward with trying to figure out how to implement the Fair Housing Act. Got it. What, um, I mean, what about this are you particularly concerned about? I mean, is it just more right now you're, you're watching to see what happens? And what are you hearing, I guess, from your colleagues and peers in the community about, and particularly, particularly what the impact could be for your clients in Austinites? Well, I think that we want people to have choice. I think, um, you know, if if left to their own devices, if there's areas of the city whereby uh, land is cheaper um, and it's easier to build, the likelihood of a developer going to an area where the prices are higher, even if the area has more amenities, um, schools are better. They're not inclined to do such because there is no requirement to do so. You will then be limiting the choice of uh, of our current and future residents because their options are not going to be as great. Mm -hmm. And so, for us, I mean, I think again, it's kind of a balance. I mean, there are some who say, well. People, if people want to live in areas of concentration, whether it's concentration of poverty, why, why disallow them to do that by forcing them to go into areas where they're not comfortable? But we know that it's that that in some cases, folks desire to be in those areas or have never had the opportunity to live in those areas, so it's not ever been a consideration in many cases. So, you know, there, there needs to be some balance. And so what I'm there, so maybe there is more flexibility that could, could, could be built into how you implement Fair Housing Act through the affirmatively fair housing rule. Um, but let's just not throw it out. Mm -hmm. um, we need to consider it and figure out how we can use it to benefit because we want communities of choice Everyone does. I mean, and, and it shouldn't be limited to those that only can afford it or only have incomes that are higher than 80% that have those options. So that's that's the concern of most is that, you know, people, communities, many communities won't necessarily comply if they aren't forced to 
or at least having being directed to. Now, the reality of it is you could decide not to to be a recipient of HUD dollars, but certainly, you know, for communities and cities in particular, the community development block grant and the home funds go a long way to help with everything from housing rehabilitation to infrastructure improvements in low-income areas. And we certainly don't want to jeopardize that. For housing authorities, you know, we're talking more specifically about affordable housing and supportive services and the like. And so, I mean, all those things are important when you talk about building community. And uh, so, again, having choice, uh, having options is something that we want to encourage and obviously try to try to promote. We want to try to promote mixed income, uh, mixed income neighborhoods. We want to promote multi-generational neighborhoods where we call it cradle to grave where you don't have to move out of your neighborhood um, because there's options, mm-hmm. you know, um, for you um, as you age. Aging in place, they call it as well. So we, we want all those. I mean, we, we again, housing ag- advocates are trying to help create communities of choice, communities where, where folks um, have access to amenities and the like, as opposed to being in food deserts because the land is cheap and you can develop there, um, you know, at a low, with develop, develop there much easier because again, it's um, a, you know, real estate is 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 inexpensive. Gotcha. And just in closing, are there any parting words you'd have about just uh, H or the housing authority's mission and ways that. Austinites who you care about affordability issues can be involved. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. So the Housing Authority, obviously our mission is to provide affordable housing and supportive services for our residents. One of the things that we've done recently is we've created a foundation, the HATC Foundation, and that's primarily focused on capacity building, you know, in terms of giving residents the tools they need in order to to uh, be more self-sufficient, um, to realize some of their goals and desires, and really just to give them a, um, more of a hand up because we don't, we can't rely primarily on federal resources, obviously, to do that. So we're create, we've created this foundation, the HATC Foundation, um, and we have you know website HATCFoundation.org. So, you know, individuals can look and see some of the events and decide they want to partner, you know, um, in the provision of a service maybe uh, for residents, low-income residents, or actually donate or participate in one of the events um, that that we are sponsoring or planning, that sort of thing. But again, you know, folks have an opportunity, you know, or even to serve or volunteer, you know, kids need mentors, they need... uh, they need role models, and certainly we're not uh, we're open to any and any type of involvement um, or assistance that folks are interested in providing for residents that are at risk or who've been marginalized or who obviously hadn't had some of the opportunities that many of us have had. All right, well, Patrick, thank you for your time, and uh, look forward to having you on the show in the future. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening to today's BG podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to stay current on future posts. Thank you to our sponsor, The Lowy Law Firm. You can find more information about them in the show notes.